Hey, everybody. I uh, didn't know if, uh, if you guys thought this thing was still alive, but the Long Twos podcast is back deep in the heart of July, right during uh, the start of draft week. I thought, what a beautiful time to bring back the podcast. And uh, I'm Mike Vorknoff. I cover the Knicks for The Athletic. Um, and I'm joined this week by your own Weitzman of Fox Sports. Fox Sports. Did I say that right? Yeah, Fox, Fox Sports, Sports rights. Okay. I just want to make sure I said that correctly. You've never been on this podcast uh, <laughs> to join your new outlet. So I just want to plug it a little bit, give you that love. How's Fox Thank Sports you. going? Yes. How's everything doing? Fox Fox Sports. Check it out. The, uh, you can download the app, the Fox Sports app. It is an excellent <laughs> app. Go ahead and do that. But actually, it, legit, it sounds like I'm bullshitting. Um, it is a very good app. I mean that truly. I did not have it before I took the job, and now I have it. And it is even better than the uh, the Bleach Report app. What a mess. So, yeah, go wow. ahead. Get the Fox Sports app. Yeah. I- I'm enjoying this shilling. I can't wait to see you on Fox and Friends in a week talking about Ben Simmons <laughs> and the Knicks and all that. Fox and Friends. <laughs> You're sitting That's there with your morning coffee. On the as I tell uh, as I as I tell or share with lots of um, family members, or I would say not direct family members. You know, this is not Fox News; it is Fox Sports. So I will leave it at that. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. Anyway, um, I can make it like an hour worth of jokes, but I'll stop. Uh, your own. So we're doing this Monday morning. Um, it's draft week. Uh, the NBA draft is going to be Thursday. I think I have that right. I. Yeah. Like, I know we used to joke uh, during mid to early to mid pandemic. We've lost track of days and time. I'm legitimately at that point now. Um, so I have I don't even know the official start date of free agency. I'm sure I'll figure it out soon. I just know it's after the draft. It's well, so imagine. So I was in Milwaukee for the finals. Um, so, yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. It does feel what what was the distance between finals and draft in previous years? I know that it was it two years ago. I don't know what the distance was. We had the AD report um, like during the finals, right? Which year was that? That was the year the Kevin Durant uh, Toronto year. Was that the yeah? I um, when I was like, wait a second, it was only a few or days. Maybe the day after. Yeah, it was. It used to be only a few days, and it's only a few days now. It's it's actually like a little over a week. But it, I think everything just feels much more condensed because it feels like since like last july we've been going non-stop for a year like the nba has yeah um and so like everything just feels on top of each other by the way not even last july because i've talked about this with teams and even as from a media perspective it wasn't even there was the shutdown but from it wasn't like things <laughs> let me phrase the game stopped all the from our perspective in terms of having to cover and just personally, I found that one of the most stressful times trying to find stories to write and ways to write them when all our normal avenues were shut down. Um, And also teams, you know, maybe some players got to disappear, but like a lot of the teams were involved in meetings and their COVID meetings and restart meetings. And there wasn't only toward the end was a really downtime when things were, you know, let's say it was around May or give or take then, right. When it's like, okay, now we just have to wait for the bubble to formalize. Um, but it's really been a year and a half, whatever it is more of just nonstop action here. Yeah. I mean, I started working on a rock and jock story that I never got to finish because the NBA just started right up again. I probably should have finished it. I had all (laughs) the interviews done. (laughs) That's That's the, uh... um, anyway. So look, uh, I I want to do, I, I know, uh, that, I'm getting off of the Knicks beat in about a month now. I think three weeks. As again, I'm not sure what time is. Um, if you've been watching uh, Loki at all, no spoilers or anything, but uh, 
time, I think. It's just a construct, really. Um, You're and living so, in the multiverse? Yeah, this is a multiverse for me. And so I still want to do this podcast and still talk about the Knicks, um, even maybe after I get off the beat. And so hopefully uh, this will allow me to do so. And the Knicks, have, they're a pretty good spot. They've got the number 19 and the number 21 picks in the draft this Thursday. Um, our Sham my <laughs> the athletic Sham Sharania, uh, said, I was about to say our, but then I realized you're not, you don't work there. Uh, said, so I, I that, am wearing my athletic t shirt that I, uh, that I worked out in this morning. Athletic Philly, because I think I signed up originally through, I guess maybe I gave Derek Bodner the, yeah, shout out Derek Bodner, you, maybe yeah. back in the day. Yeah. Shout out <laughs> so, Derek there and the work and the, the, the work that they're doing. Uh, it's a quiet off season in Philly, so I don't really know what he's going to do. Um, well, except except there's one big thing looming over it, but yes, <laughs> yeah, uh, and we can get to that actually. But uh, you know, the Knicks the Knicks have a have a uh, two draft picks coming up Thursday. Uh, Sham Sharani reported that the Knicks are you know interested in bundling 19 and 21 to move up in the draft, and I think this is uh, all the like an interesting piece of what they're going to do this offseason because they had a really great first year on their Leon Rose and Tom Thibodeau, and now it's like okay, what's next? How do you build on that with a roster pretty much made up of just rookie year contracts and Julius Randle and all the flexibility in the world, um, but really no clear pathways to take. And I'm just wondering before we get to like 19 and 21 specifically, because I know you've been doing all your scouting tapes and you diving deep into synergy and all these things. Um, exactly. What, what do you think is kind of the path for the Knicks to take this offseason, starting with the draft? Um. So it's really fascinating, right? This is, it, it is an interesting off season for them because it feels like they have to make some sort of choice and even doing nothing is a choice or kicking the can down the road is a choice, which is what they did last off season. Right. And talking to people around the league, a lot of people, and I'm speaking for myself and also others, they don't have really have a great read on what the Knicks want to do. And more than that, I think a lot think to expect them to be sort of, I'll say passive. Is that the right word? Like, I don't think we're going to see the gigantic, um, I don't know who it would be. DeMar DeRozan, that's not even a good example, right? I don't know who would be like the the guys, the, the three, the guys you give a four-year deal to. Um, I don't even know, right? It There's not be, even a lot of guys. The, the, I mean, even the top of the, the point guard class is kind of older guys like Kyle Lowry and I was Mike Conley. Like, you're not going to give Mike Conley right? four years. <laughs> yeah, two years maybe, like. Yep. There's not a lot of those guys out there that you want to commit multi, like long multi-year deals like they tried to do with Gordon Hayward last offseason. And so it does seem unless you swing a huge trade, which, you know, um, Damian Lillard and Bradley Beal trade chatter aside, there's not a lot of options mm-hmm. to do either. Yeah, and even those guys, I guess, and these, the, all these conversations feed to, or kind of blend into one another, right? But why would... Okay, so let's let's just do it. So the way, the way I always think about the Knicks in general, since Leon Rose and World Wide West got there, is kind of trying to work backward, right? Because that's how it is. It's we we know this is a front office that is going to go star hunting. We know that's what they want. We know they're going to try to get a major. Wait, 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 let me let me cut you off. Actually, like we know sure. that, right? But like, is that different than most teams? First of all. Um, right. Like you say, okay, they want to yeah. trade for a star. Like which, which of the 29 other teams is like, no, nah, no, nah, listen, if Bradley Beal wants to come here, we don't want him. But it's, but it's not a realistic option for the other team. So if you're them, you're the Knicks, you, you're selling the market and you're selling your relationships, right? Like if, I don't know when, what's who just took over when David Griffin, even that's not even good. Tommy Shepard takes over in Washington, right? Like, is he going star hunting? Is he going to go say, Hey, Westbrook? next dike? 
that's not a star though. That's not the same. Okay, kind but of like thing. you know New what Orleans, I'm saying. Do you think the Pelicans, you know, if if they can get into the Damian Lillard stuff, the Bradley Beal stuff, they won't try to make a play for him? They're gonna try to make a play. The difference is they're gonna have to sell the guy. I think the Knicks would be operating from perspective of, hey, if we can get the guy, they're gonna want to be here. You know, where is that right? I mean, like, do you want to go to New York to play with the Knicks or do you want to go to New Orleans to play with Zion? I mean, and obviously all the food. I hear you. Given recent NBA history, I hear what you're saying. I'm not disagreeing. I'm just saying how they're operating, right? This is their game plan. And and let me phrase, when I say star hunting also, like there's different ways to build a team, right? You can do the teardown, like the process. You can try to go what Brooklyn did, which they were going star hunting, but they were also trying to build culture and continuity and kind of more of a slower thing. It, anyone who knows Leon Rose and Wes and like when they came in, it was very what most people would say is no, their move is they're going to try as soon as they can get the guy, they are going to pounce and they'll figure everything out after, right? This is not going to be a slow rebuild. It might end up being more methodical than people have guessed, but that was not, I think if it is, that's more of like an accident as opposed to they came in and they had a five-year plan. Maybe that's the best way to phrase it, right? I don't think Leon Rose came in with like a five-year plan that he outlined and said, this is how in the year 2026, we are going to be positioned to move and become a contender. That is not what they're doing. I do not believe so. Okay. I just, I mean, like the more I think about it, it's like in the last five years, this teams that we've seen trade for an all-star include Oklahoma city. We saw Chicago yep. do it. So Milwaukee do it. Drew holiday. Um, like I, I, I just, I don't know. I mean, levels, is, you're using different level guys though. So like they're going to want to go to the next, Beal, the next step. Like, is he, is he, tr- is he so much better than drew holiday? I mean, I think so, right? I know what you're saying. I mean, I, I hear you can get in the margin. Drew Holiday was just defense. like a tour de force defensively. Yeah, and went five for defense 20 every game. Ex- I, yeah, but, you know, offense matters more. And, you know, it's great. Like, Drew Holiday, if he's your third player, is great. If he's your best or second best player, you're in trouble. Um, yeah, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Bradley Beal is our best or second best player, really just <laughs> yeah. up. Look at you coming at. I just, just think I'm that. Just saying, I think we should expand our, I like our mindset of, like, what is, you know, what is star hunting? What does that really mean? And I maybe just, I don't know, just think like maybe that's a surface level understanding of like what a team's plan is. It might be, but I don't think that, but I, I could be, but with the Knicks, do you think that's the case? I don't think that's the case with his Knicks front office. That's I've actually been surprised. Right? I've been surprised by their level of, uh, of circumspection, their patience. Like, I do think that the front office that they've put together also hasn't just signaled like, hey, let's sell out as soon as we can for the first big guy we can get. Like, you know, Walt Perrin has a pretty great track record as a, as an assistant GM running drafts, right? Uh, Brock Aller, everyone who seems to know him thinks he's a really smart dude who, you know, who can make those marginal, find those marginal values, um, you know, in trades and free agency. And, uh, you know, Frank Zanin has a good reputation on the pro personnel side, right? And like, yes, you know, a lot of it is Leon Rose. He's the guy who was at CAA, uh, you know, attached to all these stars, but like, and, and, you know, William Wesley is, I, I don't know. No one really knows. Um, but like, <laughs> you know, I, I think relationships, I think, right. That's his thing. Really, we can say guy that. Yeah. And like, yeah, we know, we know all the stories and all that, but I'm just saying like, um, once you get past those two guys, there's a lot to say that they perhaps might be more methodical. Uh, and, and we might, it might be more counterintuitive in terms of franchise building that we presumed when they took over, you know, last off season. Those are the two guys, though, right? And those are the top. Those two are guys. the two and guys. I, That's right. And I do think, and I do think, all the other stuff is in service of operating toward um, 
or fulfilling those plans. And so, so maybe what I'm saying is here, maybe because you, you bring up good points. What I'm saying is I think what they do is I, I'd be very surprised if Leon Rose and West William Wesley, I don't know, but I'd be very surprised if in their minds, they don't have guys who are, on, who are, who are there, who they are thinking of, of like, this is gonna be the guy we're going to go for. You know, when they first got hired, everyone assumed, you know, the three were Towns, Booker, Mitchell, right? Those were the three. You heard those. Mm-hmm. Everyone heard those three because they were the Leon Rose connections. Um, they were in situations that you could see them kind of maybe coming to market at some point in the near future, right? Um, Booker, I would say we're done with that. Towns, who knows whether you want to go for him is also a um, a separate conversation. I find Mitchell to be an interesting one. Again, he's under contract that we've learned that doesn't necessarily mean anything. And Utah has a lot of... Um, weird stuff going on front office wise, management wise, ownership wise, right? We can, we can separate yeah. new owner. Um, the coach Quinn Snyder and Dennis Lindsay did not get along. Dennis Lindsay's out. They, they, uh, promote they didn't even talk Justin to each Zanuck. other. Right. Yeah. They, they promote Justin. Yeah. It's, it was, it was an open secret, right? Which again, good job. NBA media reporting that one. <laughs> um, they were, they, they, Justin Zanuck. Then there's all the Danny Ainge rumors. Everyone assumes that he's going to come in at some point, right? That him and Ryan Jones, a new owner, are close. Dwayne Wade's looming in there somewhere, right? You know, he's getting involved. You know, when he's involved in a ownership team in Utah, like the way that stuff works, why is Dwayne Wade in Utah? Why is he part of an ownership group? Because they usually, usually what happens is they give him, they give a guy like that great uh, rates in terms of the investment, right? That's how yeah. you have to sell a guy like that to be on a team. And it means he's probably getting something in return. Like you want him front facing and involved otherwise he's not joining the utah jazz ownership group right um yeah, yeah well let me say this right so you just mentioned right at the very beginning of this podcast that there's not a lot of good information coming out about the knicks right and i think that's yep, been yep. mostly the case since they took over um yep uh, perhaps you know because no one really truly knows or has a good grasp on what they're doing um to fill that emptiness, like there's a bit of projection by people around the league and by the media, right? And so that ultimately lends to, okay, let's just assume they're doing something big and splashy and perhaps internally they're just like, look, that's that's not what they're going. I think a lot of teams have kind of like a, a draft, or uh, sorry, a, a, like, like a star list where they're like, look, if this guy hits the market, we're going to go after him. He's our number one choice, right? Like I remember doing the story on, uh, what was it, the the michael bridges trade and and the sixers before that draft are like look what big uh what big assets can we get right like before the trade like they went through that and kind of you know storyboarded like what picks can we acquire if they if they're available to us what can we get i think teams do that as part of their due diligence and so i think a lot of teams are like you know if bradley beal hits the market he's our number one guy we're willing to sell out for him or lillard or you know whoever whoever that is um so that doesn't surprise me. I, I look, I could be wrong, and they're just going to make a trade for Nikola Vucevic and for a seven first round picks tomorrow. But like, I don't know. No, I don't I, think that. I I agree with. You. I think it's good, but I think so. I think where we agree is I agree with you. They're going to be more prudent, but there are certain guys like I, I believe they are bidding time for those guys, right? And that's what let me phrase. That's what I believe that. That's what most people around the NBA believe. Even an example I always go to. You wrote the story, right? How is Leon Rose hired? What what was the timeline? It was quick, uh, right? It was, you know, I think last last week of July, uh, January 2020, James Dolan calls him, says, hey, you interested in the GM job? Basically, right. it starts conversations. A week later, they fire Steve Mills. And then three days after firing Steve Mills, uh, he gets hired. So, so probably, example, I would say about right? two weeks, I think, if my math is right. 
so and I bring this up because let me use a counterexample. So, I, and I, you know, I'll go back to Sixers stuff. When Sam Hinkie was hired, right? When he gets hired originally for the job to run the Philadelphia 76ers, he actually missed out on the job the year before. And, but he had come and he's coming with these decks and these PowerPoint presentations and outlining five-year plans. And here's how we're going to use our assets. And here's what we're going to do. And we're going to build up all this stuff. And he's got the whole thing mapped out. Doesn't mean they're going to follow it, but this is something he had thought about. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't think Leon Rose had to sell James Dolan on his five-year plan to get the job, right? I don't think that was part of their conversations. I could be wrong. That is not the read I got based on your reporting, based on knowing stuff. Like I don't think Leon Rose had like some... You know, we always go back to Steve Kerr when he was becoming a head coach. He would like collect, you know, build a notebook based off interviews yeah. for years, right? And that became that. That was not happening. So maybe he put that together fast, but I don't think he approached this job as like five year plan. Here we go. I mean, I I get what you're saying, and like I don't even necessarily disagree. I just think there's a difference where, you know, if even if you want to be like, okay, let's get into a great position to acquire the next star, all the other stuff that you do below that threshold is really important. And I think maybe characterizing it as it's just like they're twiddling their thumbs until uh, Damian Lillard says he wants to go to New York is different than, okay, they want to be in a position to land a star, but like they're trying to do this in the draft. They're trying to do this in free agency. They're trying to do this in roster build in terms of roster building. Those are two kind of important distinctions to make. Like it seemed like when Magic Johnson got to the Lakers, they were like, listen, we just want to get a star. Let's see who can come here. Let's get LeBron James. All the like marginal stuff on, you know, all the marginal stuff they didn't seem to be doing, right? Like if you do that, like smart organizations don't trade away uh, uh, Vita Zubats for like nothing, right? Like you keep yes, on to that right, guy. Correct. Like the, the Lakers were just like, eh, whatever, who cares? Um, and it worked out for them. It worked out tremendously. They got a title. They got LeBron. They got Anthony Davis. Like they gave away Julius Randle for nothing for some reason. Everyone's, you know, who's around the Lakers is still a little bit perplexed by that. Um, like why they did that because they could have just kept him. You could have done all the things and still gotten LeBron, right? And then still gotten AD. They just like seem to sell out. Whereas the Knicks seem to be in trying to put themselves in position to get whoever that next star is, but they're also trying to do the other things along with that, which to me seems like a small but nuanced a small nuanced uh difference that matters. Yeah, no, I mean that's the the Brock Allen role basically, right? It's like hire him and it's like Someone once joked to me, I don't remember the specific player, but they, it was made clear, hey, Brock, you know, make sure when this year happens, we're in position that we can, you know, when this guy comes available this year, I, I, and I don't remember the example, um, make sure we have what we need to pounce, right? And that's kind of like what you're saying, that that's the, your, your opera. Yeah, it's, it's understanding. So it's star hunting, but understanding that that doesn't happen in a vacuum and being aware of that and, op- and open to the, the machinations and the decisions and moves that lead to that point. And then, the interesting part of that, we haven't talked about this, but this is, so that's bucket A, then you have Tom Thibodeau in bucket B or column B, right? And there's <laughs> those two things have always clashed, always, in terms of how do you go about doing this prudence with satisfying um, Tom Thibodeau's relentless need to win tomorrow night's game, no matter at what, no matter the cost, right? And that's always one of the more interesting dynamics of the Knicks front office and the Knicks, I won't say front office, the Knicks organization right now. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I'm interested to see how this how this offseason goes, yep. because as you talk about the, the you know, we'll use the word tension, right? Like, I doubt Tom Thibodeau would be happy if they went through another offseason where they had another equivalent of just signing Alec Burks and Nerons Noel and yep. um, re-signing Reggie Bullock. Right. Like, that's a pretty quiet offseason, as you said. It's, you know, almost doing 
you know, relatively nothing. It's a choice. I, I would understand why I would think that's not the path that they should go down because I think they're in a good spot to keep adding talent. And even as I was saying, they did a good job with the last offseason, like relatively speaking, I thought they could have just added more good players. Like, I know that's a crazy thought. I'm with you. You can still add more good players and not do something stupid. Like those things are not mutually yep. exclusive. Um, so I think that they should add more good players this year as well. And so that's what I'm And there's a way to do it in, in ways that that doesn't handicap you going forward, right? Like it, there's a way to do it. And, and even, by the way, we saw this in Nets. Like even if you sign horrendous contracts for your guy, you can, if, if the guys want to come to you, you can always get off of them, right? Like you can always, and that's the worst case scenario, right? Yeah. But you can always figure out a way. So that's what all those first round picks that, are. But, those those, yeah, are, I mean, those yeah. are like, I messed up. Insurance. Uh, get out of jail free cards, right? Like, ah, shit, I fucked up. Let me attach a first round pick to Alan Crabb and get get him to Atlanta. All right. I think that's where he was yep. traded, right? Like that's what that is. And the Knicks have a lot of those. So they have the margin for error too, where if the time comes uh, and they need to open up cap space, they need to open up a roster spot, like whatever they need to do, they have the draft capital. Draft picks aren't just for trade uh, for drafting players, right? They are, they are currency of another value. Yeah. I'm with, so I, yeah, I would like, it's funny. And I, I, I agree with you. I think you're saying, I, I think they should be, and that actually could be one of the few criticisms you give the Knicks front office last year is I don't think they use their cap space properly because they didn't really weaponize it either way. Right. They, they use it on, um, no, it was weird. Luka, how, you, how do you use it? What's how you pronounce his last name? Forgive me. Um, Luka, uh, Luka Vildo, Vildo, the, Veldoza. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, but they, that's the thing. They yeah, didn't like, do anything was, with it. That was what they, yeah, that was there was a mistake, right? Because you didn't sign players, but you didn't do the hey, we'll take your shit, we'll take your shit for the price of a first round pick either. Like they just sat there. Um, yeah, and they, that, the, and they let the draft deadline go by, and they didn't acquire any bad contracts or get anything for it, and you know, you know, sensibly to keep the vibes going. But like, okay, you know, sure, vibes, team vibes, yeah. No, it was a mistake, and I think so. I, I would like to see them be like you know. I think if you're a Knicks fan, you like you would you prefer they be more aggressive this offseason, right? Adding talent. And I've been somebody I've talked about. It's like, I've been okay if, you know, I don't expect him to come. Chris Paul, I think you can talk yourself into that. Maybe too expensive. I said that last offseason. What you said last offseason? Yeah, said? I said go, try to yeah. for, trade for Chris Paul if you could, especially with the Suns, you know, traded for him, which I think was like a protected first-round pick and, and pretty much nothing else. Yep. Yeah, because that stuff makes it there. And again, like these. So Chris Paul, let's say you signed him now, and I'm not saying you. I I understand the criticisms why or the reasons why not, but three years, three years is nothing. Because three years basically you're you're assuming he's going to be good this year, right? You're hoping yeah. for two good years. So you're is that one? And the last year will probably will probably be rough. But either you get off of it or what? You figure it out. That's so long down the line. Like think about what three years ago was in the NBA. If you look at these two and three years, like. I've thought about this a lot. I feel like the NBA is more NFL-like than we've yeah. than we realize in terms of the, these windows. Now we used to think of it as a five-year sport, and almost now you have to think of it as a two-year window in terms of transactions and how things work and how teams turn over. Yeah, and look, I mean, if you want to be like super cynical, especially with the Knicks, three years is really yeah. what you usually get. Um, the last guy to get you know like more than three years leading the team, I think, was was Isaiah Thomas. I want to say. Maybe Donnie Walsh got a little bit more and like, but you know, Dolan stepped in at some point and like things got weird. And like, essentially we, we know how that went, but like in New York with the Knicks, like you're, you're not on a long timeline. You may think you have a great relationship with the owner and maybe you do initially, but like 
Maybe Leon and West are the exception, but history has shown that it goes one way uh, and it's never really trending in your direction. Somebody also once explained it recently. I was having one because, you know, I try asking other people, do you have a read on the Knicks? And people don't, you know, passively, um, but someone on another team explained it to me. And I thought he phrased it well. He said, no matter what you think the front office, just uh, let's say the front office is, let's say they were Sam Hinky like, right? You know, yeah, five-year plan, 10-year plan, whatever. They are still surrounded by incredible win now pressure from or from fan base, mm-hmm. one faction, from ownership, another faction, from media, right? Most of the media, or especially tabloid media, and um, and radio and talk radio and stuff. And that stuff matters. They're here, especially because ownership cares about that. So that matters. Yeah. No matter fans can say it doesn't matter. Front office can say they don't care. Ownership cares about it, and from your coach, right? So you have these four factions that are going to be really pushing up against that any type of long-term um patience right four factions are going to be pushing against that at some point maybe not altogether right now but at some point that's all going to be coming at you and that is really hard to stand up against and the funny thing is we keep talking about the process and the process and the six or six the process sam hickey got fired for not winning enough <laughs> right isn't that yeah, how that exactly. ended basically <laughs> Yeah, Even the exactly. Sixers are like, exactly. uh, we're done with the process. Ownership was like, we've had enough of this. And look, the Knicks are obviously yes. not in that case. Like, the, those are two not analogous situations. They went 41 and 31 Correct. in year one, and like, they probably bought themselves a lot of time. Um, but I do think, like, if you know, I think this offseason will be critical nonetheless. And I'm very curious to see which way it goes. And so, I guess, you know, so let's start with the draft. Um, do you know anyone who might go 19 and 21? Like, do you know who might be available there? <laughs> I do not. I, I, I don't, I'm not going to pretend to have be. Have you not been watching Isaiah feelings. Jackson tape? I, well, I, I watched, you know, I saw, I saw Isaiah Jackson is from Kentucky and represented by CAA. And I said, <laughs> oh, that's the guy. Um, though it's so interesting. That, that's the, the Knicks I, are I, trying to trade for a star type of pick, right? Like that's your mock draft. right? That there. is, that is the, um, though. So this is the interesting part, right? Not that um, I asked you before the show. I forget. Duarte, how do you pronounce his name? Duarte, Chris Duarte. Uh, that's how I say it. I'll probably be wrong. Okay. And forgive me if I'm wrong. So again, I don't watch, and this is not me, like I'm not making a joke now. It's just, it's too hard. And a lot of NBA writers, right? It's too hard to watch. Co- there's a, there's The job of being a top of college prospects is different than following the NBA. Some people can do both. It's very hard for most of us to do both. Um, and like, I, I didn't, you know, finals descending, I didn't do much catching up. Um, the Draft is its own industry, right? Mock draft and all that stuff is its own industry. Um, yeah, go ahead. No, 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 I'm just just giggling. I totally agree with you. I, I cannot, I don't, you know, I'm not even good enough at covering the Knicks to then also, like, moonlight on the side of watching a bunch of draft tape. Like, I will admit that I do not, I'm not one of those people who pretends to around draft season know stuff, right? Like, I watch, I did something yeah, right. last week about, like, seven guys that I thought were interesting at 1921 because I actually took some time and I watched some tape and I looked at the synergy numbers and I was like, these guys are interesting to me. But, like, you asked me about, like, uh, I'm trying to think uh, you, you asked me about like what I think of, uh, you know, someone who might go like at 50. Um, that's not me. Like, I can't, I can't tell you that, you know, I don't know who the Knicks will take up 58 and I will not have an opinion on them. So, and with, with regard to Knicks, I think what we can say though, is um, 
one, I'd be surprised if they use all their picks this year because they don't want to roster that many young guys. And that was an issue even last year when they made all those moves and they were kind of trading around and Brock Aller was going crazy and just trading 14 picks for another 15 picks and future picks. And they just didn't, they didn't want to roster that many guys. They have a lot of young guys, Thibodeau. And that's not a crazy thing. There are a lot of teams. They around don't the have that many believe. young guys though. That's the thing. They don't. Frank Nogue is going to be a free okay, so- agent. I think, I, I think it's safe to say maybe the Kevin Knox experiment did not work. Yeah. Uh, Mitchell Robinson Correct. is going to be either restricted this year or unrestricted next year. So they have uh, a lot of guys cycling out of their rookie contracts. And so they no longer are in a situation where like we have eight, basically first or second year guys, like we're good. Like they have RJ Barrett who's going to be in third year. They have Toppin and they have quickly. Um, and you know, that's it. The Ignas Presdakis pick he's gone already. Uh, you know, like I think they should kind of restock some of their their prospect cover. You would, but I don't. But okay, but if you have, let's say they use nineteen and twenty one, right? So you're gonna have you're gonna. I don't think they want four first round pick, four first round picks on the team. I'm gonna count Obi and quickly, right? In terms of the last two years, I don't think they want four guys like that. I hear what you're saying. It's also just hard development. There are a lot of teams that feel like it can be they can eat into each other developmental developmentally, right? Just in terms of minutes and and uh, time devoted to them from a coaching staff, front office staff. Like, it's hard to develop players. We know that. You've written about this. I've written about this. Sure, it of takes course. But, like, full... that's – I mean, but there's such a situation, cap room-wise, um, I think that where they can they can stomach having, you know, essentially four first-round picks like that uh, and developing and, and still having the room to, like, sign veterans and play over them and finding – like, that's the thing. You're going to have to find a way to develop those guys away from playing time, right? Like – that, that's Every, everyone too, right? says that's... we can do it and we do it we'll show it like i i understand like if you can't trade them away for something of substantive value like you can't just trade the pick just to trade the pick um then that's it's incumbent on you to do something with it and develop those guys no i agree with that i i don't think they're gonna like just like get rid of the pick you know they're not gonna sell number 21 for cash right whatever it is but like they might try to kick the can down the road trade it for a future or something that's or fine i think that's fine. I, I just there, and like... i'm not saying don't do that i'm just saying like i think the presumption that the knicks have they're good on young guys is, is kind of not true anymore. But I think they think that. Maybe I'm wrong. I think they think that. I, maybe, and maybe you're right. Maybe Frank not being there and Knox, um, you know, they were obviously, they were high up when they came in. The front office thought they were going to fix Knox because, you know, Kentucky juice and uh, they, that did not happen. Um, so maybe like they, maybe they think they're, I know last year's draft, they didn't want to, um, they weren't going to use all that many picks. They didn't want to use. You know, bring in three new players. What they end up with? Yeah, they had two. I don't think they wanted, the or they did not want to add a third. They have um, they have three opportunities what, in this draft to take like guys who can contribute next year. Right. Bring in two. Right. If um, they if they actually get two players out of that, I think would be probably the optimal scenario. Correct. And they're always going to try trading down. I mean, everyone's, but I think everyone's trying to trade down now. There are a bunch of teams who have like. Well, it seems like they might be trying to like trade the, up. Sorry, I said up. I meant down. We're, okay. we're saying we're doing the thing where uh, oh, yeah, towards okay, one. Okay. Tor- I guess that is up, right? Towards one. Down the down the number chain, up <laughs> the board, right? Is that what we uh, – yeah, that makes small, sense what I'm saying? Smaller numbers, higher on the board. Yes. Yeah, that's what I mean. There are a few teams who are – and there are other teams like that who have you know multiple picks. Um, Duarte went to Oregon. That's what I was going to say. That is another West school. I know not, like, everyone laughs at this stuff, but this stuff matters, right? Oregon is a Nike yeah. school – um, Big Nike school. Everyone laughs. Yeah, everyone laughs. Peyton Pritchard was on. Was they were, yeah, they were looking at Peyton Pritchard last year. 
um, they were close to taking him or interested in him, maybe if they didn't get quickly. Um, so again, I don't know. And people can laugh. And I used to laugh at this stuff, but like we learned that last year, right? Based on their draft and their free agent signing, like this stuff matters. The stuff that we joke about, it, it makes a difference. It doesn't mean that's the only thing that matters. It doesn't mean that's going to lead their decision-making, but it definitely plays a role. Yeah, I wonder how that, that goes with a guy like Walt Perrin, who's like, you know, has a reputation as like a very fastidious, like, search like all corners scout, of the scout. earth. <laughs> like, he's drafted guys from, like, Australia, France, like, you know, big schools, small schools. And Wes is just like, all right, but what about Oregon and Kentucky, though? Like, what about Oregon? Uh, there and is a, and you and I have talked about it, right? There, there is a non, so there's a cynical view, and I've made fun of it plenty, but there's a non cynical view too, right? And quickly is the yeah, example, yeah. like you have access. It's not, if it's, if it's being done correctly, where you're not saying, take this guy, I know him since he's 12, I like him, right? It's but if you say no, it's not like, you know, essentially like professional nepotism. Yes, correct. It's that you have access. You have access to more information. So you're saying, right. I knew this guy since he's 12. He actually works his ass off, and I know, and I know that he's tough, and I know this and that. I know his family, whatever. It's you like have an you have access advantage. to more. Inf- correct. So that there, there's a non-cynical view on that. So that's great. And if it's and I think all, that's actually very important. Meeting, yes, yes. It's, it's how it's it's essentially how much do you use that as a crutch, right? Like, right, are exactly. you are you able to? Are you making a decision because you uh, have a cognitive bias in your head and so you're always going towards it? Or are you making a decision because you have an intel advantage and you're acting on it, right? Correct. And the harder part also is going to be, um, presumably in the way this, this the way that it usually works, is the further out that Kenny Payne is from his job at Kentucky, the further yeah. out that Wes <laughs> is from his job as Wes like the less of an intel advantage they will probably have, right? You're, you're constrained by NBA rules in terms of where you can go, you know, who you can talk to somewhat. Um, you are constrained by the actual time necessity of your current job, right? Like all those things get in the way. And so your intel advantage at certain places should probably, probably depreciate. And so then that crutch becomes much more of an issue further on down the line. I, I would think, I would think, um, but with you know, Kenny Payne, yeah, I would say Wes. I don't think that will ever be a problem with Wes. I think he he's Wes is gonna always gonna be Wes. Guys like Kenny Payne, I agree with you on. I agree with you on that one. Yeah, and I mean, look, he'll still have an advantage, Kentucky, because like him and John Calipari are extremely close, and he knows the guys on, you know, the assistants on the staff, right? And like he still probably has good relationship with a bunch of high school and AAU coaches, and so like he still has stuff yeah. there if they're gonna lean on him and you know ask him for his opinions. But I, I think just the further on you get from there is like maybe the less of a strength it becomes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and what you're saying is, is the rest. Are... <laughs> well, so I feel a hundred. Like this is the right. This is yes. That's what I'm saying. Again, non-cynical view is I know and I don't know, but I can tell you in those meetings, Isaiah Jackson is being heavily discussed. Right? What that means, I don't know. But you and you know this too, right? I feel very comfortable saying Isaiah Jackson is on his name is on the board, and he is gonna. And I, no one's told me this, right? I'm not report, but I can just I know, right? Isaiah Jackson's he is gonna be heavily discussed and looked at. That could be yeah. good. Maybe they look at him and and they and maybe it comes the other way where he's been over discussed so much and Walt Perrin doesn't like him and it comes clear that you know all, like who knows but just it's gonna get guys who there are connections like that like they are gonna be in the mix in a way that maybe other players could kind of skit you can might skate over. I'm just opening up my betting app trying to see what the over under for Isaiah Jackson. That's is. funny. Eighteen and a half. Eighteen and a half. Knicks are at nineteen. Oh, that's so interesting. Oh, so that- these people are smart. You know what they're doing. 
Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, and then I was I, I was on the um, I did this I do this weekly Spotify green room things with Bondi, and he said he was on Isaiah. I'm a listener. Jackson's. Um, yeah, there you go. So he did. Maybe maybe all the listeners are not listeners. You know, come by every Friday. Um, sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's a shit show. It depends. The app. The app. Not good technology. Last come, last come week was Spotify. a shit show. Last yeah. Friday was um, not great. That was not your fault. Yeah, though. no, not, not your great. fault. No. Um, the weeks before. Anyway, great. so Bondi said. Bondi said, Sam, Leon Rose's son, Sam Rose, you saw his name pop into the Zoom for Isaiah Jackson, um, who was Sam Rose. He's an agent officially. I get a, I, I am a little confused in terms of like who he actually represents, but he, he's in a, I'll say this. Maybe is he an agent? I don't know if he's officially an agent. He's an employee for CAA. I don't know if he's, a, he's an agent. Okay. You, you yeah. sure? Like he's take he's a licensed agent, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, NBA okay. certified. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, it'll be interesting. I just want to get to the draft. Like so much of it now is just there's so much crap out there. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> there's just like so much crap out there, uh, and it's hard to tell. And uh, you know, once you get to the actual, well, let, can we do this? Night, yeah, I, I like doing this. Go, this is I've done this with Steph, but you know the uh, how how to follow NBA rumors from NBA reporters, yeah, right? So I'm one of my one of my rules. If you hear teams have discussed trades, every team, especially <laughs> internally, that's my favorite, have discussed trade, have discussed trading for Ben Simmons, let's say internally. Yeah, yeah. Literally all 30 or 20, I guess not 30 because the Simmons have not discussed trading for, but all 29 teams have discussed, hey, should we trade for Ben Simmons? And what would it then that's literally yeah, the yeah. job, right? I'm, I'm, then if they <laughs> go ahead, yeah. Go ahead. Well, no, go say, to, then if you to, heard team discussed it with someone else. Almost everyone then has called the other team and said, hey, what would it just curiosity? What do you feel about our guys? Maybe informally, maybe formally. Depends who knows who in the front office. Like that stuff always happens. It means nothing. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, I remember when I was covering the Mets and I think it was my first year covering the first offseason covering the Mets. And there was a report um, that uh, that the Mets had reached out to talk to the Rockies about Troy Tulowitzki. And so I went to a Mets exec and I was like, is this right? You know, like, and he's like, well, yeah, it is. But let me just tell you something. And I actually, now I appreciate it because I, I, you know, I was like, you know, completely new to the job. My literally my first off season. And he's like, listen, we have people in the front office. We split up the other 29 teams. You know, this exec (laughs) takes four teams. This exec takes this division, whatever, and reach out to them and say, Hey, would you be interested in trading player X? What might it take? You know, like, so, yes, they literally had discussions about, you know, Troy Tulowitzki with the Rockies at the time. But that's what teams do. Like, you canvas the league and you ask, like, hey, would you guys be interested in trading Ben Simmons? Would you guys be interested in trading Joel Embiid? And the Sixers would be like, well, you know, we wouldn't be averse to trading Ben Simmons if they're right out there. And like, no, get the hell out of here. We're not trading Joel Embiid. But you ask, and that's how you find all these things out. And so, usually, yeah. it does work. Like, yes, the Knicks have talked to the Lakers about, you know, like Anthony Davis and the Lakers probably said, no, you can go bleep yourself. We're not trading. Anthony Davis. <laughs> but I guess if you were to report it, it would probably be accurate. That's the whole thing. And like, and then teams like they divide often. It's, oh, your friends, you worked with the assistant GM yeah. and our assistant GM worked with the assistant you GM. You live in LA, place. talked about the Western conference, like yeah. Pacific division. So sometimes the stuff is like, sometimes it's the smoke, there's fire thing, right? Sometimes for sure. Um, but just, yeah, that stuff, it doesn't mean anything's going to happen. It, it doesn't mean it's not going to happen, right? And maybe those conversations create a kernel of a thought and then come back to it later on. Who knows? Um, but, yeah, this is the uh, the NBA sources say silly season. So just, I guess, that's the uh, PSA for 
fanfare. <laughs> and usually, yeah, and free agency too is the you know they team yeah. talk to agents and have conversations. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's important. It's very important to have reporters, even as a you know as consumers, as we all are too, to have consumers yep. uh, as to have reporters that you trust, right? Yep. That you uh, exactly. that are verified for you, not just Twitter verified. Um, what what are you looking at for the draft? Anything interesting? You think? Anything you're trying to follow? And I'm not asking like who I'm you just, think will go number four. Yeah, no, I just think it's an artificial deadline on some of these. Tri- so Damian Lillard, I think we agree. It does not seem like that's going to happen now. Maybe that if that happens, it'll be a midseason thing. Or I, again, maybe that changes for some reason. But you it just seems can't like see him getting traded happen, while he's in Tokyo for the Olympics. Yeah, and, just and if the, he doesn't get traded, don't want to. Yeah, and if he doesn't get traded before the draft, which is like a deadline of some sorts, like then they're just not going to trade him until for a while after, I would think. That's how I was going to say, because my teams and the reason it's the deadline is if you're trading for, because usually picks need to be um, used to make complete a trade and teams want to, if you're trading a star for picks and that's a big part of your return is picks, you want our picks, you want to pick your own players. Why do I, that's, I want, I have my evaluation. I don't trust your evaluations. I want to pick my guy at number five, six, seven, eight, whatever. So that's the artificial deadline. So the Beal stuff is interesting. And to me, we can talk about this. I'm, I, so he's the guy. So to me, it feels like if a Bradley Beal trade is going to happen, and it doesn't have because things can always change and whatever, it would happen before the draft. Um, and I'm confused why Washington wouldn't just say, hey, let's just trade him. Like why? It seems to be that they are waiting for Bradley Beal to come to them and demand the trade. And if he does not, then they are going to hold on to him. And I guess if you hold on to him, the the move is the, what you're hoping for is you hold on to him and get him on the Supermax, and then you've got him uh, in tow long-term. The part that I'm confused about is that, like, there are teams out there who can offer good packages for him now. Basically, I'll name three, right? You have Golden State, Philadelphia, and New Orleans are all three teams who we know would be interested in Bradley Beal, who all have really interesting packages golden state can do the wiseman 7 and 14 new orleans can do all their first round picks brandon ingram not brandon ingram whatever philly's got ben simmons a bunch of young players some picks those are good deals right i'm sure there are others out there as well why wouldn't you just take control of it and just say hey, okay we're gonna we're gonna rebuild here I, i'm confused why why let him dictate for you i don't i don't think like rebuilding is an attractive thing they've been rebuilding for a while now right and you have you know the whole point of rebuilding is then and getting all those picks is then to eventually get a player Bradley, to get Bradley Coward, right um, and you have him now. He's still in his prime. And I wouldn't want to trade him. Like, you keep trying to build on top of that. They had a pretty strong finish to the end of the year. And, you know, I, I know I know everyone wants to say, like, look, title or bust, right? Like, I think that's a pervasive thought now. But, like, there is a value in being a good team, too. And I know it's kind of lampooned as, like, the treadmill of mediocrity. I, I get that. Um, but there's a value to especially non like, you know, big five market teams to be a really good team, to be able to sell playoffs, to be able to um, do all those things in terms of your TV partners, in terms of like selling tickets and, and just being a good team, like being a shitty team sucks. <laughs> it sucks for everyone in the organization. No, I agree right? with you. They feel it. Um, and like the Wizards haven't been a good team. You know, they're not like, OK, we're on the back end of our our window, whatever that was. Um, they never quite had a win, though. They got to the semifinals with John Wall and uh, and Bradley Beal, and then that all went you know poorly with John Wall getting hurt, and then they trade him, and y- you know how that went. And it's like, I would rather, I think, unless really pressed into it, try to keep maximizing this window, right? Like, as we said, contracts are short. Things are movable. Um, you're never really pressed into a corner like you think you are. Look at the Nets. Even if they didn't get Durant and 
um, Kyrie Irving, they were in a position to still do something interesting and to like become a good team from like the from the abyss to the playoffs in three years, right? They did that. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I I just think like the way that the NBA is now, I, I think you don't trade those stars unless you absolutely have to. And you you can try to make some moves and try to build around it. You don't need to consign so, yourself to death, basically. No, I agree with you on that. Purgatory. And I agree with you. Like I've joked about um you know, like those, the, the Joe Johnson, Atlanta Hawks get made fun of all the time. And you know, that team went like, they won 60 games. They made the conference finals. And if there's something we learned this year, it's that, Hey, a few good breaks, a few lucky breaks or bounces, you can win the, you can the, win the championship. Thing. So I, I agree with you on that. What's interesting to me, and maybe the golden state offer is different. But let's use, let's use Ben Simmons, right? Let's use as an example, because the golden state offer, that's a reset, right? Then you're saying we're going yeah. lottery team. We're going lottery players and picks like that's, yeah, that's how we're going. Ben Simmons is a good like you can win with Ben Simmons. Like if if you're okay, how about I phrase this? Is Washington better having their current roster with Bradley Beal? And I don't have the exact or their current roster with Ben Simmons, um, Tyrese Maxey, and a first. I'm making that right. Whatever it be, and a couple first or first, uh, whatever that be. Yeah. Like what? What if you're Washington? But that's not a rebuild, a, right? Like that's you're just trading. I know. I know of different orders. Correct. Or brand or or but but two of the teams I mentioned. Maybe you can get Brandon Ingram and a first or something for Beal, right? And like, then you're kind of doing that and you're buying yourself more time because those guys are under contract. That's just the part that's interesting to me is it feels like there are some options out there that you don't have to wait for Bradley Beal to dictate to you what he's going to do. And I mean, yeah, maybe. And then if, yeah, maybe he re-ups and he plays this year and resigns the Supermax and just like that, he ends up being a 12-year wizard, right? And you can figure out something around him. Um, yeah. It's just it's an interesting situation. So to me, you asked, what am I most looking at? That's the guy because he's a game changer on any of these teams. He goes to Philly, game changer, Golden State, game changer, New Orleans, game changer. I, I'm using those three. I'm sure there are others out there. Him staying. I think a lot of teams are going to wait to see, like you're going to hold your chips for him, right? And kind of let things go from there. Um, so that's what I'm most interested in. I'm just saying, like, all right, let's play this out. Let's say they trade him to New Orleans, right? They trade him for Brandon Ingram yep. and the number 10 pick and then, like, the 2024 first-round pick, right? Or yep, whatever. two yep. Lakers picks or whatever. Brandon Ingram, let's say he develop, he continues to be, like, this kind of sub-all-star player on a max extension. The number 10 pick becomes what the historical value is, which is just, like, a good maybe a good rotation player, maybe a starter, right? And now – in Two, three years, you have Brandon Ingram as your best player. Russell Westbrook has left, or he's, you know, 35, I think, or something like that. And then where are you, right? Like, Denny Avdia is there, Rui Hachimura. It's not like you're necessarily in a bad, in a better place, right? Philly, um, Ben Simmons is different. You know, I think that's a kind of different argument to have because he's already kind of an all-star level player, but he also needs a particular team built around them. So that's not like a clear path to like, all right, we're just going to stock this team with talent. And Golden State, again, you know, having your best prospect be a, a center who cannot create for himself, um, you know, in the NBA now is like, I don't know, that's a treacherous path. And who knows what 7 and 14 will be like. Again, these are all kind of like, you know, it, it's great to say, but like these are really uncertain futures. And I think I would rather have the 28-year-old like Olympian all-star guy and build around that. And keep that trying future, to maximize but that it. future's the number that 10 future, pick that New Orleans has is you. Denny Avdia's Rui Hachimura. How dare you hit on Denny Avdia, first of all. But second I'm not of all, hating on him. That I'm is... just saying, like, that he was number nine, right? That's what Rui was, right? I, sh- I, uh, I, sh- I believe it was number nine. Yeah, I believe so. Um, the, but you're operating the, the different, the uncertainty of Beal is him leaving, 
right? That's the uncertainty. Yeah. So yeah, if Beal signed, I'm with you. If like that's what I'm weighing. I'm weighing the odds are so right. This is the equation we're talking about, right? Do you Beal leaving via free agency versus whatever you know? Maybe some uncertainty in terms of your team are built around a Brandon Ingram type. We're using the same examples, whatever yeah, it is, yeah. right? Like it's the Beal. That's the variable. If he leaves, you if he leaves for nothing, that's the variable. So only Washington, usually, usually teams, maybe not the case. They have more intel on this and insight on this than anyone else. So they might feel comfortable that hey, he's told I, everyone I, he wants to stay. He likes it here. I don't know. Yeah, I and I would think like you know, Bradley Beal seems to be a kind of a good dude. Um, he seems to have some loyalty yep. to that organization. Um, you know, in the kind of the twenty twenty one NBA uh, sense of the word, and so. Perhaps he'll give him the tip off. He'll, you know, like maybe I'm happy to stay another year. If we make it work, we'll go. Yeah. And then the Wizards do that math. Or maybe he says, I want to stay no matter what. Mm-hmm. Like maybe he's just annoyed by all the trade rumors and just wants to end them and like actually get traded. I don't know. I, I'm just saying like I would I would want to take a chance. And maybe if around February you get the idea that he's going to go, then you try to make that pick. And I think of uh, that deal. And I think around even February you would get some good stuff in return. Yeah, I am. Uh, no, it's interesting. It's one more. Can I ask you one draft thing, and then we'll probably wrap yeah. up. But um, I, I'm confused. You, not you mentioned Wiseman. It's funny because it, it is funny to me how the NBA we we we're still you know centers. You can't play centers. Can't play centers. But that hasn't fully trickled down into the draft yet. It feels like it's interesting. No. Like we still take the big guys, and then they end up on the team, and then it's like wait, nobody wants the seven footer um, <laughs> with a limited skill set. It's a funny. Um, disconnect that I just find we're gonna have it again. Evan Mobley's gonna go right, yeah, yeah, he's gonna go top three, probably. Um, we know 2018, we saw like four centers in the top seven picks, I think. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't know, I don't, I don't know why. I mean, I think everyone is thinking, okay, this kind of center is the exception to that rule, which is the right. one that is super athletic, can switch, can stay up there defensively, can. Um, create for himself offensively somehow. I'm sure the Warriors think that like Wiseman's jump shot will come around and will add to his handle. Um, I don't think it's, I don't think it's that like you can't play centers. I think it's that certain uh, centers, certain types of centers have ceilings. Right. And like in terms of for the team, um, like Quinn Capella is really good, but like, you know, Brooke Lopez was like arguably a defensive player of the year candidate and they found his ceiling, right? Like, you know, Quinn Capella found his ceiling you know really like offensively unless you're Joel Embiid um you can't play it back to the basket type of center right like and even Joel Embiid has added he has a kind of a dribble game and a face-up game and all these things so you know I think it depends like I think taking a center at like you know around 20 probably makes a lot more sense even with all the limitations yeah it's interesting right it's just and I mean I know and then DeAndre Aiden sort of brought the center position back that's too strong a phrase right but like but as a role as a as a super role player i thought nikola Jokic did but okay well well no but that so Jokic and Embiid are they're like these mega stars in terms of who've modernized the game a little bit Embiid post back to the basket but it's a different kind of thing um aiden like it's like a, he was he's the blueprint for hey if you're not a go-to score this is how you can be valuable but here's a number one pick. Like you don't want that guy's your number. You don't, you're not using a number one pick on a guy to be a role player on your team. Even and role player, sometimes that word, like that, that's, you know, role player. That's really, that's, that's not giving him enough credit, right? Him and bridges. Right. Like those are super role players. Um, so he, yeah, he figured out how to be useful and had not even useful, how to be efficient and effective and productive in the modern NBA game but that's not what you want. Your number one pick, your number one pick. You want the guy to be like, he's the guy leading the charge. It's interesting. 
Yeah, yeah, no, I totally, and I'm in the draft. I like to take more like moonshots than I think maybe for yep. even, you know. But then again, maybe at not number one, but like even at number four, number five, like if you can get a DeAndre Ayton, that's a huge win. Like, yeah, that's and awesome. probably that's a number people... one too, honestly. Like probably a number one. There's like, you know, unless it's a year. <laughs> Ironically, it was a year with like Luka Doncic and who you could have seen coming as like a you know yep. great player very low bust but like chances but like you know usually like even top three you want some certainty in there um yeah i don't know i, I that's i the draft is that's why i don't really believe in like uh great drafting teams and front offices i think you just get lucky and you get unlucky and it just kind of over time you know circles around or you just get super unlucky and you just miss all the time I mean, the funniest example is like, you know, Pat Riley, we all say is good at drafting and he's done a really good job, right? Bam. And they recently, Bam and Tyler Hero and who am I forgetting? Anyone else recently? Duncan Robinson wasn't drafted, but picked up whatever. Um, yeah. They didn't draft him, but they offered like 40 first round picks for Justice Winslow, right? Like, and that was <laughs> right. during the draft time. And that's off of your draft evaluation. And they're lucky it didn't get accepted. And that, and then that it didn't get acccepted is funny too, right? Like, and I think right. Danny Ainge offered a bunch of them too, didn't he? I didn't think it was Danny, Danny Ainge, Ainge that offered, also? offered all those for Justice Winslow, wasn't it? Wasn't I think Riley did too. Maybe I'm getting confused. I think Riley offered it. To, maybe I'm getting confused. I might be. I feel like Riley, if I did, I apologize. But again, let's say it's Danny Ainge, same Pat example. Riley right Good. now. <laughs> Danny Ainge really good at drafting. Oh, he's for somewhat. He's got. He's had. No, he's missed. And Boston fans get upset. He's had some good. You know, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. These are guys who like. You know, oh yeah, yeah. not so obvious it was, picks. Who he? It was the Celtics. Uh, Danny Ainge offered six picks, apparently, reportedly, including four firsts to the Hornets, and the Hornets said no and took Frank Kaminsky. Are you sure the South? Are you sure Pat Riley? Are you googling? Are you sure there's nothing with Miami Heat and Pat Riley? If you Google, it's I, come I up googled since, uh, four first round picks, Justice Winslow, and that's what came okay. up. I I might be wrong, so if I am, I apologize. But the point being the same that you know evaluations are wrong all the time, even the guys who are good at this. Well, yeah, I mean, look, the the Heat got Dwayne Wade at five, and they got Michael Beasley at two. Right, that's also a good example, right? Like the Knicks, you know, <laughs> Knicks fans like to say we're trusting Leon and Walt Perrin, and uh, they got quickly at twenty-five, and they got Obi Toppin at eight. You know? Yeah, exactly, exactly, right. Which, uh, by the way, he might actually end up looking. The funny part is, it's also a good example of waiting, right? Because come, you know, January, it's very possible people have looked back at it. Oh, actually, Obi's better than quickly, right? <laughs> I don't know. I, I look. I said at the time. I said it, and I'm going to say it now. They should just take Tyrese Albert. Uh, yeah, I would say uh, you are not, and there are other people who are around the other. This that is not a that is not a yet yeah, that is a common view, and not, and so, not somebody. Excuse me. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say somebody like in the league was like, yeah, Tom, Tyrese Halliburton is like a perfect Tom Thibodeau type player. Uh, so would have been a nice mix. Yeah. All right, let's end it there. Uh, the draft is a Thursday night. I think I'm going to be there. Are you going to be there? Are you going to be in Brooklyn? I decided I'm not. I was going to, and I'm backed out. I'm going to going to uh, follow along on the TV. Okay, sure. Let me assume all the risk. Um, there you go. <laughs> so draft will be Thursday. Obviously, you can read about it at The Athletic. You can read your own at Fox Sports. Um, and I'll try to do another podcast, another long twos podcast next week. Uh, thanks for everyone for waiting so long, uh, you know, since the last episode for another one to come up. Uh, as I said, read The Athletic. You can follow us on Twitter, but I should, I think that you should just stay off Twitter if you can. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. <laughs> Bye.